Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. How are you doing today? It's so good to see you here. And I personally want to welcome Doug Valenzuela as well and his lovely wife, Dee, if you're still watching. That is, if you're spiritual enough to hang around for the message and not just the worship. And so I am so glad all of you are here. Uh, happy Easter to you. Everybody repeat after me, Jesus is alive. And he is alive forevermore. I hope you really believe that. I hope that, that you are embracing that with every fiber of your being because it changes everything. When you truly embrace the reality of the empty tomb, everything changes. Everything changes. I personally believe that God put it in the DNA of every person to want to rise above. What I mean by that is to, to want to to live beyond the, the mundane, to rise above the mediocre, and to really pursue the God-given life that God has given you with every fiber of energy that he's given to you. Why? Because God is a creative God, and you and I are created in his image, right? Right? And so God is constantly creating. He's constantly on the move. Even Jesus, when he left this earth, one of the last things he said was, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And so God is constantly moving everything that happens in this world toward his redemptive purposes. And so it's only natural for you and me to have within us this desire to want to rise, to be the best, to honor him with this gift he's given us called life. But you would agree with me that somewhere along the way, many people don't rise. Many people seem to give up. They lose the hope. They lose the desire. They lose the purpose. They lose the meaning. They lose something that causes them to live beneath what God desires for them. And I think many times the people, they just, they lose hope and they lose the sense of urgency of the life that God's given to us. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? We use that word all the time, don't we? People say, I'm hoping to get a new job or I'm hoping that I'll lose weight this year. I, I'm hoping that this will be the year that I finally find somebody that will marry me or something. But, but people use the word hope all the time. And the way they use the word, it really comes across as if you really don't believe it's going to happen, but you're just saying the words. It's almost, it's like wishful thinking. I'm wishing that I could lose weight or I'm wishing that I could find somebody and you don't really believe it's going to happen, but you're just expressing the words. It's nothing more than wishful thinking. Sometimes people will even use the word hope in kind of a negative kind of way. They'll say things like, well, I hope it doesn't rain all day today on Easter. I hope the service doesn't go too long. I'm hoping that he's not 
too boring, okay? How many of you would agree that that's wishful thinking? <laughs> it's wishful thinking, okay? And, and so people use the word hope in lots of, of different ways, but I want you to understand that biblical hope has nothing to do with wishful thinking, Okay, if all biblical hope was, was wishful thinking, like I hope this really is true, then that's no hope at all. The hope that the Bible gives to us is a hope that is so solid, it is so secure, it is so uh, strong that we build our life upon it and nothing shakes us from that hope. Why? It's because biblical hope is confident assurance. It's confident assurance. Everybody say the word confident and say it again like you really mean it, okay? Like confident. It's confident assurance. It's I know that 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 I know. There is no wishful thinking to it whatsoever. I know that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And when I say my hope is in Jesus, there is no wishful thinking to that. When I say my hope is in the resurrection, there's no guesswork involved. I know that I know that I know that I know. Because if it's just wishful thinking, then it means nothing to you. Now, people today have misplaced hope. Have you found that to be true? People misplace. They they put their hope in things that really is no hope at all because it's so weak. It's, it's such a weak foundation. For example, people will put their hope in people, right? Do you, have you ever put your hope in another person only to have that person let you down? Raise your hand. Okay. A, a few of you. Okay. So let's, let's rephrase the question. How many of you have ever let another person down? Raise your hand. Okay, now those of you who are not raising your hand, it's like uh, either you don't want to be here, you're bored, or you're a liar, okay? <laughs> and so we're just, I'll just chalk it up to you. Maybe you don't want to be here, but that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. I'm so glad you're here. But people trust people, and people let you down. Don't ever put your hope in a person because we're messed up, and we have a hard time living up to our word. I find that people have misplaced hope when they put their hope in possessions. And that's a big one in in the culture in which we live in America. You know, possessions are a big deal. And so we put our hope in the fact, I've got to get this house. I've got to move into this neighborhood. I've got to get this bank account. I've got to have all this, this, and this. And and only to to realize that, that these things can be taken away from us in a moment's notice. In fact, of everything that I'm talking about right here, the Bible probably stresses this one more than any way. It says in Timothy to, to warn those uh, who, who are rich in this present world not to put their hope in riches, which is so uncertain. It's just so uncertain, and so you don't want to put your hope in those things, yet, yet people do. I find that people uh, have misplaced hope when they put their hope in uh, positions, in positions. What I mean by that is people think that if I can climb to the ladder of success, if I can get this job, if I can get this career, if I can get this title, then everything's going to be okay and I'll be fine. And again, I see people do this. They'll climb the ladder of success only to get to the top and then to ask the question, is this all there is? Is this it? 
And, and they're frustrated because it, there's, there's, it's, it's void of, of meaning and purpose. And then one other thing that I, I see people putting their hope in, this misplaced hope, is in what I would say is a positive attitude. Okay, a positive attitude. Now, I'm not against a positive attitude, mind you. I'm all for a positive attitude. I mean, what's the alternative? Okay, you don't want to have a negative attitude because if you do, then nobody wants to be around you. But you better have hope in more than just a positive attitude because just, you know, optimistic thinking is not going to help you get through the difficulties that this life will throw at you. And so let me ask you this question. If I cannot put my hope in people, I can't put my hope in possessions, I can't put my hope in, in uh, positions or, or positive attitude, what in the world can I put my hope in? What can I trust in? What can I build my life upon? What foundation can I stand on that will be so secure that it doesn't matter what happens, everything's going to be okay? There's only one thing. There's only one thing. And that's an event and a person that literally changed the course of history. And that is Jesus Christ and his defeat of death. It changes everything. It literally is a game changer. It changes everything. Because the tomb is empty, we now have a whole new purpose and meaning for life. And when we truly embrace that, it, it motivates and it drives us forward. I was in Israel uh, three weeks ago, and I had the opportunity of visiting two sites where they say Jesus resurrected from the tomb. There are two sites because you got Catholicism and you have Protestants. And, and as you know, people can never get along. And as long as you have people, they're going to disagree with each other. And so there's uh, two sites. And so one of them is called the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. And if you, uh, if you come from more of a, a Catholic pers perspective or Catholicism, then this is the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. And in that little room right there is where they say Jesus resurrected from the grave. And, and I've been in there a couple of times. And every time I go in there, it's empty which is good. And, and then the other place, the other place is called the garden tomb, which is where I personally believe that that happens, but it's not that I'm some great theologian or anything. It's just, I, I like that better. And so it's, you know, it's called the garden tomb. It's in a garden setting and it's absolutely phenomenal. And I've been in this little cave uh, several times. And every time I go in there, it's empty. It's empty. Now, what, the point I'm making is this, where Jesus resurrected from really doesn't matter. That he resurrected makes all the difference in the world. Because if Jesus did not resurrect from the grave, if he did not rise from death, if he didn't walk out of the tomb, then I'm telling you, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he gave us new life, by raising Jesus Christ from death. And this fills us with a living hope, confident assurance. It doesn't say this fills us with wishful thinking or, you know, I kind of sort of think it might be true. No, this fills us with living hope, this confident assurance. If the resurrection is just wishful thinking, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is just the product of overactive imaginations, then you and I have nothing to live for. Life has no meaning, really. 
And Paul devoted an entire chapter in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's referred to as the resurrection chapter. Listen to what he said. If Christ has not been raised, because there were people saying, no, he hasn't risen, and, and he's making this case. Listen, if, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is worth nothing. And your faith is worth nothing. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith has nothing to it. If the dead are not raised, then let us eat and drink, because tomorrow we will die. And that's it. Game over. Put the pieces back in the box. It doesn't matter. It was all a sham. It was all a big hoax. Nothing matters. If Jesus isn't who he claimed to be, which is God, and if he didn't do what he said he was going to do, which was to walk out of the tomb alive, then nothing matters. And in fact, not only does nothing matter, uh, we're all a bunch of idiots for having believed it. And I'm the biggest fool in this room. Because I've spent the last 42 years of my life. I started in ministry when I was like 18 or 19. And uh, so you can do the math, you know, 60. Okay. I'll save you the time so you can listen. Um, I'm the biggest fool in this room. Because I've spent the last 42 years of my life teaching people about Jesus. And guess what? You're not too bright either for being here. And listening to it. In fact, what Paul says, if it's, if it's not true and it's just wishful thinking, then just go eat, go drink, go watch basketball, go smoke a hookah pipe or something. <laughs> because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But if it's true, then it changes everything. Now, today, my desire, it's, it's not to prove the resurrection to you. But I do want you to stop and think for just a moment. How could Peter make this statement? By raising Jesus from death, he has filled us with living hope. How could Peter make that statement? Peter, who was he? He was one of Jesus' most avid followers, and he gave up everything to follow Jesus. And in fact, he told Jesus, I'll follow you to death. And then when Jesus is on trial for his life, what does Peter do? He denies that he even knows who he is three times. Three times. And one of them he swore. And he says, I swear I don't know the guy. And then when Jesus is on the cross, where do you find Peter? He's, he's hiding behind a locked door, afraid that he would be next. Now you fast forward about six weeks and where do you find Peter? You find him in Jerusalem Central preaching his heart out. And he's preaching about the resurrection of Jesus. He's saying that Jesus is alive and he's talking to all of these people who just weeks before said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And he's preaching his heart out and he's saying, you people, you put to death the son of God. You put to death God in the flesh. You put to death the Messiah and you better repent. You better repent. And the people, it says, were so touched in the heart that day. And there were, it had been thousands of people there that 3,000 of them got baptized that day. Now, fast forward again a period of time. 
a year, maybe two or three or so, and the Roman authorities, they come to Peter and they say, you had better stop preaching about Jesus and the resurrection. You better just cut it out and stop it because, I mean, everything's in an uproar and we don't want it and you better stop preaching about it or we're going to kill you. That was the choice he was faced with, faced with. Either stop preaching about Jesus and the resurrection or die. Which choice did he make? He made the choice to die. Why? I'm telling you, it wasn't because Jesus was such a good teacher. It wasn't because Jesus did miracles. It wasn't because Jesus died on a cross. The reason is because he saw Jesus alive. He saw the empty tomb and he saw a dead man walking. And nothing could shut him up, not even death. You see, it was the resurrection that, that, uh, that caused Peter, that allowed Peter to rise above the fear, the, the threats, the beatings, and even death. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ that fueled the passion of the early church and it's the resurrection of Jesus that fuels our passion today and gives you and me the hope to rise above anything that happens. For example, because some people ask, well, what, what difference really does it make? It, it, well, go, again, go read 1 Corinthians 15. But practically speaking, what difference does it make? Here, let me just share with you three thoughts, and, and these are really simple but profound. Resurrection hope gives me the power to rise above life's bad news because I know that God sees and I know that God cares. It gives me the power, the fact that Jesus conquered the grave. He walked out and he's alive. It gives me the power to rise above life's bad news. Okay, how many of you would agree that life is full of bad news today? I mean, about a year or so ago, I developed a habit that's not a good habit, but uh, when, I, when I drive in, to, I, I kind of quit listening to country music, and, and in order to do this, which that in itself is borderline sin, but, <laughs> but anyway, I quit listening to country music because when I drive into work, uh, I turn on talk radio, and I only live four and a half miles from here, so I don't have to go far, but that's far enough to know if there's been any bad news today. I mean, there's so much stuff that's happening in the world. I, you know, I'm flying from Cairo last Sunday night, driving in uh, Sunday, Monday morning, and lo and behold, well, another suicide bomber is you know, blowing up a bunch of people over in Brussels. Bad news. Bad news. And, and it's just a matter of time before you'll hear more bad news. The question is, is that going to destroy you? Is that going to, you know, mess your life up? Or are you going to rise above that? I choose to rise above that because I know that Jesus is in charge of it all. Jesus, God is in control of everything. And, and the reason I can rise above it is because it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. What about you in your own life personally? What's, stop and think about it for a moment. What's the worst news you think you could possibly receive when you got home this afternoon or tomorrow? What do you think would be the worst thing you could possibly hear? For some of you, it would be to get a phone call from the doctor and says, listen, you need to get in and, and see me. And then you go see the doctor and the doctor says, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but the cancer is back and there's nothing we can do about it. You've probably got six months to live. For some of you, that could be the worst news you're gonna, you could hear. 
For others of you, it, it could be that uh, your spouse uh, says, there's something I need to tell you. I don't love you anymore, and I found another person, and I'm leaving. For some of you, it could be you go into work this week and you've worked there for 30 years and they say, you know what, we appreciate your services, but we don't need your service any longer. You're fired. For others of you, it would be to, to get the news that your son was killed in an automobile accident or sudden death of a loved one. Life is full of that kind of bad news. And unfortunately, a lot of people, and, and it, that's really difficult stuff. And, and I see people in this church, every one of those things I've, I've mentioned are stories from this church. And, and we virtually hear stuff like that every single week. And yet I see people rise above that time and time again. Why? Not because of positive thinking, but because they put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ and the fact that the tomb is empty and that's unshakable and that's a foundation upon which you can stand. Why? Because God sees, he cares. And not only that, but God is weaving all of that in his grander story, even though you don't understand it, even though you can't figure it out, even though it doesn't make sense, God is weaving all of that for your good and for his glory. And it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. We're not the only ones to have to deal with difficulties in life. In, way back in, 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 in the time of Paul and, and, and all those guys, listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians. He says, we had great burdens that were way beyond our own strength. We even gave up the hope of living truly in our hearts. We believed that we would die. But this happened so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises people from the dead. And see, what, what Paul was saying, he, he was going through difficult times, but he knew that God knew. And sometimes we need to come to church just to be reminded that God knows about your situation. He sees and he cares and he's even using it and preparing something better for you. I, I love the words of the psalmist in Psalm 56 where the psalmist expresses what he understands about God. And he says, God, you keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle, and you have recorded each one in your book. Do you know that God knows that about you? Some of you are, are in a season of tears right now, and they're tears of brokenheartedness because of a betrayal or because of a diagnosis or because of a bankruptcy or because of something. And God keeps a record of your tears of brokenness, of sadness, of, of, of regret, of remorse. All of those things. He sees and he's aware and he cares. This, this weekend, just as I was reflecting over this message, the thought came to me. And I encourage you write down in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. This is what in the season of, 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 uh, of bad news. If you're going through a season of bad news right now, focus on the crown and not the cross. Focus on the crown and not the cross. And this is what I mean by that. If you go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, speaking of Jesus, it says this, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Just think about that for a moment, okay? Nobody endured what Jesus endured, okay? I, 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 we, don't, we don't reach any close, any, anywhere near that level of, of, of pain and stress. 
but who for the joy that was set before him. In other words, he knew the crown was coming. He knew heaven was coming. He, he knew reunion with his father was coming, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. In other words, because of what he knew was coming, he could put up with anything right now. Why? Because it's not the end of the story. And that's only made possible because Jesus defeated death. And today is not the end of the story. And so because of the resurrection, I, can, I have the resurrection hope to rise above any bad news that life hands me. Because it's not the end of the story. And God sees and he cares. And it gets even better. Number two, I can, I can rise above uh, even life's bad choices. Bad choices because I know God lets me start over. I can rise above because Jesus walked out of the grave. I can rise above even bad choices. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever made a bad choice in your life? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you have ever made a bad choice that you hope nobody ever finds out about? <laughs> how many of you would love to be able to go back and start over? Wouldn't that be nice? Because of God and his grace, guess what? You can. It's amazing. And some of you are thinking, no, I don't think so. I don't, I don't believe that's true. You can't go back and unscramble eggs. No, you can't go back and relive it. But every day is a new day for you. And, and I, this is why I love Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Listen to this. The Lord's love, it never ends. Just let that sink in for a moment. God's love for you, it never ends. It doesn't matter what choices you make. It doesn't say the Lord's love never ends if, you, if you're a good person. If you make all the right choices. No, the Lord's love never ends. His mercies, they never stop. And they are new every morning. God's love never ends. His mercies never stop. They're new every morning. Stop and think about it for a moment. What if they did end? Where would that leave you? Bob, what if all of a sudden God were to get in touch with you and say, you know what, Bob? You make me sick. I, I, actually, Bob, I'm, I'm just, I'm fed up with you. Because you make promise after promise after promise. Yada, 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 yada. You make all these promises and you break them all. And I keep forgiving you. And, I mean, you've gotten so stuck in your sin that you can't even be creative in your sin anymore. You keep doing the same thing over and over again. And guess what? Your mercy, it runs out today. So you better make use of today. You better enjoy today because from now on, you're on your own. Good luck. What if that's the way it really was? We'd all be in deep weeds, wouldn't we? His mercies are new every single morning. I just got back from, uh, I mentioned a, minute, a moment ago, um, Egypt, uh, last Sunday night. I almost cross-eyed looking at hieroglyphics. And they, the, the ancient Egyptians were extremely intelligent people. They were so sharp and smart. And they recorded everything through hieroglyphics. And so they told stories. Everything's through hieroglyphics and they told stories. The ancient Egyptians had a strong belief in the afterlife. And they, they, they would 
talk about that and teach about that through hieroglyphics. And so here's one right here. This is called the scales of justice. And you'll see that scale on the left side over there. And the, the ancient Egyptians had this belief in the afterlife and that when you died, your heart would be taken out and put on a scale against a feather from the, the goddess Mayat, which is the next picture. And you see that feather in her hair? This is the goddess Mayat, and, and she would take out this ostrich feather, and this would be put on the other side of the scale because she's the goddess of morality and truth and justice and all this stuff. And if your heart was heavier than the feather because you weren't able to live a balanced life, then guess what happened to your heart? It got eaten by the goddess Amut, which is signified by this thing that looks like a Doberman or a jackal. So let me ask you a question again. How many of you are grateful that the mercies of God are new every morning? And that when you die, you're not going to stand before some God who says, okay, let me take your heart and let me wait and see if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. And if they don't, guess what? You get to be lunch for a jackal. You see, God gives us this opportunity to start over every single day. Why? I'll tell you why. Because God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. That's why. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sin. His blood covers us, and it's the grave, it's the empty tomb that gives power to the cross because if the tomb is, is not empty, then the cross has no power. But because the, the, the grave is empty, the cross has power, and it's on the cross that Jesus paid for your sin. And so guess what? Every day you get a do-over. You know, Peter wished he'd had a do-over because Peter said, Lord, I'll follow you till death. And then the moment he's on trial for his life, he denies even knowing who Jesus is. And you know those words would be words that would haunt him to his grave were it not for the fact that he served a God who was a God of second chances. If you go to the Gospel of Mark chapter 16, you see two words there that you, you don't see them in any of the other Gospels. And on that Sunday morning when the women went to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus and they got there, the stone was rolled away and they walked inside the tomb and Jesus wasn't there, but there was an angel sitting there and the angel said, you're looking for Jesus. He's not here. He's resurrected. Just like he said, go tell his disciples and Peter. I love that because you know Peter wanted a do-over because Peter's probably thinking there's no way Jesus could love me. I mean, he knows he's alive, but he would want nothing to do with Peter because he even denied knowing him. And Jesus says, no, go tell his disciples and Peter because what Jesus was saying was, listen, Peter, I know you, I know you, you, you broke your promise, but I still love you. Peter, I know you couldn't keep your word, but I still love you. Peter, I know you denied even knowing who I was, but I can still use you. And so he says, go and tell his disciples and Peter. Everybody in this room needs a, needs a do-over. And everybody in this room needs to hear the words, go and tell his disciples and, and you put your name there. What's your name? Say it again. Marvin, go tell his disciples and Marvin. What's your name? Miguel, go tell his disciples and Miguel. What's your name? Go tell his disciples and Cynthia.
What's your name? Bob. Go tell his disciples. And be sure Bob knows that I still love him. What's your name? Janet. Janet? Janet. Go tell his disciples and make sure Janet knows. Because there's a lot of you in this room, you're thinking, this is the day hell's going to freeze over. Because I showed up in church. There's no way God could love me. There's no way God could use me. There's no way God could forgive me. I've made so many wrong choices in my life. There's no way. There's no way he could possibly love me. And what you need to know is that Jesus would say, go tell his disciples. And what's your name? Let me hear your name. Go tell his disciples then. Let me hear your name. Like you really mean it. And Jennifer. You need to know that. You need to know that. And that's only possible because Jesus Christ walked out of the tomb. And you're covered by his grace when you put your faith in Jesus. That's a foundation that cannot be shaken. Because believe me, between now and whenever Jesus comes back or when you die, you're going to make some bad choices. And you can still stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It gets even better than this, and, and I'm not going to spend much time because I know I'm, I've got to be way over time. Here's number three. I can rise above, uh, resurrection hope allows me to rise above life's biggest enemy of death. Biggest enemy of death because God has promised me a better future. God has promised me a better future. Some of you have maybe lost hope and life doesn't have a whole lot of meaning or purpose for you right now. I want you to know that life every day has meaning. Every day is, is special because of this. Listen to this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. What a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him because Jesus was raised from the dead, okay? Because Jesus was raised from the dead, because Jesus is alive, because Jesus conquered death, we've been given a brand new life and we have everything to live for including a future in heaven, and the future starts now. I love this verse. I mean, it, listen, we, we've, been, we, we've been given a brand new life, and we have everything to live for. That takes care of yesterday, today, tomorrow. It takes care of today. Your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. You have everything to live for because Jesus walked out of the tomb, proving that there's life after death. If there's life after death, then your life has significant meaning today. You have everything to live for. And, and it gets better. I mean, this verse is like an infomercial. But wait, there's more. You have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. Not only do you have today to live for, but you also have a future in heaven, of which the Bible says, no eye has seen, no mind has conceived, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. God has so much in store for you. Heaven is something that is beyond your imagination, a place where there's no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering, no more loss, no more sin. You'll stop, you'll stop messing up. You'll get a new body. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know you're looking forward to heaven. But it even gets better. He says, you've been given everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and the future starts when? 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 Now. now. It starts right now. You don't have to wait until you die until you start living. 
Every day has meaning. Why? Because Jesus walked out of the tomb. And he gives you life, and he gives you life eternal, and your eternal life begins not the moment you die, but the moment you receive Jesus Christ. So every day has meaning. Every day has purpose. Every day has significance. You can rise above any bad news that comes your way. You can rise above any bad choice you've ever made or once you probably will make. You can even rise above death because Jesus walked out of the tomb. Because Jesus walked out, you and I, we get to rise up. I'm going to ask you if you'd bow your head. And I want to pray a prayer over you from Ephesians. This is my heart for you. In Ephesians chapter 1, I pray. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help you who believe in him. It is that same power that raised Christ from the dead. And it's that same power that lifts you up today. Today, if, if you are here as a person and you've never truly trusted in Jesus, you've never really put your hope, confident assurance in Jesus, not wishful thinking, confident assurance, and that's your desire today, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. The Bible says that if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And so if, if you mean this from your heart, would you pray this with me? And those of you who've made this decision to follow Jesus, would you also join in? And this could be a reaffirmation of your own faith. Would you pray? Father in heaven, today I put all of my hope in Jesus. Jesus, I trust you alone. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to be my Savior and my Lord. I choose to follow you. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.